0: Well, well, well. Look who's back once again for another episode of Alex Listens, the podcast about philosophy, politics, race, and mental health. This is your host, Alex Hamo. Today's episode is an interview with a dear friend of mine, Angelica Angwin. And Jell is an actor, a writer, a performer, and has a play, theatre show, that is coming out this evening, July 21st, in Melbourne uh, at the infamous Miscellanea Club in the city. And I interviewed Jell about the play, the show, which is called Club Night. Now it's running from June 21st to June 24th. Um, as I said, it's at Miscellanea. And what's the club about? Well, here is, I suppose, the catchphrase. A Berlin raver, a drug-dealing influencer, and a straight white girl walk into a bar. What could go wrong? So I interviewed Jell about all of the things, all of the themes, the motifs, the ideas, the concepts, that the play meditates upon, and that it questions and challenges. And it was an incredible interview. Jell is... A gifted orator and obviously a gifted actor and performer so we spoke about you know wannabe Berlin DJs living in Melbourne we spoke about trying to be Instagram famous we spoke about the scene what is the scene is the scene even a real thing Um, and we also spoke about the various the three characters in the play so we have Anna, or Anna, who's performed by Angelica. And then we have Serene, who's performed by Matisse Leider, And then we have Gemma, who's performed by Lottie Beckett. Um, and the three characters, as you will hear in the interview, are all, I suppose, triometrically opposed. I don't even know if, if you can say that, but let's go with that. It sounds good. So That's it. That's all I need to say in terms of introducing the uh, interview, which is just with Angelica. Um, but before we get into the show, a few quick things to mention. If you enjoy my podcast or any of the other work that I do, please consider supporting me. You can do so via Patreon and Patreon is a very easy platform to subscribe to. You just click a button and then No, it will be the equivalent of buying me a tea or a coffee once a month. And this will allow me to keep making episodes for the podcast because, you know, it takes time, takes energy, research. I have to edit. I have to do everything. I don't have anyone else. I work by myself, 100% by myself. So any support of any kind would be greatly appreciated. So there'll be a link in the bio to Patreon and also to PayPal for a one-time payment if that's the kind of thing you're into. Otherwise, the usual stuff. On the podcast listening app that you're using at the moment, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever, please leave a review or just click five stars. It will help the podcast circulate more, and that's important. Um, otherwise, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram at Alex Hammo, H-A-M-O, or on TikTok at Alex Hammo as well, or on Twitter at Alex Hammo. Uh, That's all. Have a nice day and enjoy the interview and be well. So, Angelica Angwin, the Angelica Angwin actor, writer, how are you?
1: Good. It's good to see you.
0: Good to see you too. Um, what's what's happening in your life at the moment?
1: Well, tonight we have the tech and dress run for Club Night. which is Club called- Night? What's yeah. Club Night? Club Night is a theatre show, um, a comedy work that's written, created and starring myself, Matisse Lader and Lottie Beckett. And we're performing it at Miscellanea. Opening at tomorrow night, five performances from Tuesday to Friday, plus an after party.
0: June 21 till June
1: 24. Yeah. And then the after party, which has DJs like Slam Ross, Primary Thug, Strange Interactions, Tanika, some drag performances, dance work.
0: Whoa. Jeez. So this is like really the the end very close to the end for you yeah um so let's like let's start with with club night so this is something you've been working on for a really long time um like what a year now
1: 84 years yes um no a year it has been but it's felt like So much longer. Mm. We were originally meant to perform it last year in August for Fringe Festival, but then the Delta wave hit. Mm. Do that. And then we were meant to perform it at the start of this year for Midsummer Festival, Um, but then the Omicron wave hit. So now this is our third time trying to get it up. Um, But I think, you know, people say, uh, um, you know, it's meant to be blah blah blah, but it actually is the best version that it's ever been. And the venue and the kind of creative team that we now have is by far the most uh, impressive club night version I think.
0: We've ever Whoa, done. well, yeah, it's like that's really that's really pleasing to hear. Like it's nice that you don't you don't feel like you've you know. It's nice that you haven't let this go, that this is something you've clung on to for such a long time through all of these changes. Um,
2: Mm. So
0: tell me, like, what what exactly... So what I know about the play Mm. is that um, there are a few central themes. Um, So it's... uh, And I guess it seems like the play... uh, spans a few different genres it's like comedy drama uh social criticism um identity analysis politics Mm. um so tell me what the i suppose like if you were to kind of lay out the the foundations of the themes within the play, where would you begin? Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, you're pretty bang on. I'd add kind of, I'd add farce and caricature to what you said as well. Um, These characters, although they're really recognisable, they're very over the top. Um, We often say that they're the worst version of ourselves. So the Ana character that I play Um, is a wannabe Berlin DJ. So it's very self-referential and I think that's why the meme page has been such a big part of it and so successful because we're just really good at making fun of ourselves. Um, Sincerity and irony are also big parts of the play, like looking at what it means to be... Um, sincere or sincerely yourself which ties into what you were saying about identity then also looking at irony um, which is yet very meme culture very um, Melbourne kind of centric these like cringe this kind of cringe wave has been really big so yeah looking at trends and kind of unpacking them and making them making helping people realize how funny they are.
0: Yeah, right. Okay, so there's a lot, there's a lot in what you just said. Um mm-hmm. so one thing I'm uh one thing I'm especially interested in maybe this is where we can begin with like the um I don't know some like analysis of of the play um without giving too much away, but one thing you spoke about is like, this kind of self-referential, self-deprecating, self-criticism. And, yeah, like, you know, this, Melbourne is, like, quite an interesting city to live in with respect to, like, self-awareness and Self-criticism and you know self-moderation, self-surveillance, all of this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, because you know it feels like there are, as as I'm sure is the case in every city, there are many different worlds within the city, um, but the the creative world in Melbourne um, has a very particular type, um, and expects a very particular type of person, um, and so this this like kind of, uh, the, the self-criticism and the, the kind of, you know, um, the like self-surveillance that, you know, you said your characters is a wannabe Berlin DJ, which is like probably, you know, like the life ambition of like, you know, uh, entire generations, um, of like young people in Melbourne, I suppose like one thing I'm interested in is like, um, like what, what do you believe the importance of like self-criticism is? Like, do you think that it's, is it for you? Like the actor, is it for the audience to like reveal to them, like how funny it is that everyone kind of, Orientates themselves around the same trends. Like what? What's yeah? What's the? How come this is something that your character has chosen, or that you have chosen for your character to to explore?
1: Mm. Yeah. As a person, I think it's it's really important to me to make light of things that are taken very seriously and kind of deconstruct them. So, yeah, choosing the Anna character was was really easy for me because um, coming back from living in Berlin, um, you know, people would would just assume that that was what I was after or they'd immediately have an image of, who I was or what my interests were or this, these kinds of cliches. And I think what Club Night does is it par- parodies that kind of caricature, that stereotype, but it also kind of humanizes it as well. So there's a lot of moments where the Anna character is a really big bitch and you hate her for probably the first half of the play. Um, but then slowly you see more layers and more vulnerability and more cringe and more kind of desperation and vulnerability. And you, I hope, by the end of the play, have a very different idea of the Arna character mm-hmm. than at the start.
0: Right. And so the why, why was the Arna character like, uh, an easy choice for you? Is it because these, like, because you have lived in Berlin and because, like, you know, you're into DJ stuff and, like, music stuff? Yeah. Is that, like, what What was it about? Like, did you create the character for yourself or, like? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, so it's... Is Anna you? No. Okay. Um... So it started because I had returned from Berlin just prior to the pandemic, and I was finishing a creative writing course, and that's where I met Lottie. And Lottie and I were writing some monologues for a class, and after we finished, we decided to meet up in person and start seeing a lot of shows together. Um, and we we're seeing a lot of work, and we'd have a drink after the show and discuss it, and we were kind of left a bit empty and a bit, um, we felt like there was a hole missing in the market of theater that appealed to young people and kind of depicted what it might be like for a Melbourne youth culture here. So we became quite passionate about writing something that would appeal to a new theater audience, that included people like us who were already into theatre, but also encouraged other people to come and see theatre, maybe for the first time. And so we just started writing about what we knew. And um, what I found really funny was club culture and the kind of performative element of it and working in fashion, how clothes meant certain things and, um, yeah, wealth and, decadence and drug taking and all these kind of hedonistic things that were really popping up during the COVID, um, like pandemic, when we could get out, people would really go out. And then Lottie was reflecting on what it was like for her moving through those spaces. And so I think as we were writing, we realised that often, well, we knew that three characters are really good to have um, in comedy or in drama like the three, a group of three is always really tense because one person is always left out. Um, so R- Lottie and I wrote kind of our characters and then we um, put a casting call out and we were auditioning for a third writer, creator, actor who would bring to the table a whole new set of experiences and a whole new character that would contrast so heavily to ours. So it made sense that if mine was this dark, techno, you know, I'm too cool, gothic bitch, then Lottie's needed to be soft, friendly, cringe, um, you know, the one on the periphery. And then this third person needed to be something new again. So it was all about contrasting the characters and then finding the similarities.
0: Mm. And what is... What kind of? So you've described your character, and you've kind of given some insight into Lottie's character mm. and the third character played by Matisse. Yeah. Um, I suppose can you? Yeah, maybe go into a bit more uh, detail into you, know, you said Lottie's character is cringe. Yeah. You know Like, are we imagining like, you know? What, like where, what kind of cringe? Yeah, so character yeah.
1: character's called Gemma. Um, <laughs> and she's what we describe as the straight white girl that goes to Yaya's. Um, so she's quite problematic in her language, but has a kind of naivety um, and an ignorance. Um, so a lot of the play is the Anna character educating or attempting to educate the Gemma character and then Serene um, comes in as an influencer Um, so she's experiencing um, this really difficult time navigating what it means to be very popular online and what it means to be herself in real life. So her character has this um, duality so it's Serene is her influencer self and Serena is her um, real life self and she's this very um kind of ambitious at times self oriented um drug dealing influencer who wants to kind of make it um but is conflicted that maybe they're not depicting their authentic self we're trying to work out what that even means
0: mm. Wow. It seems so, like, yeah, the, the the three characters seem so nicely kind of positioned. Um, like the, you know, you have your character, the kind of, you know, manifestation of what it means to be part of the scene, mm. you know, to, to be the scene, to lose yourself in it. Totally. To be, like, too cool or whatever. And then you have... The kind of, you know, the thing that the scene laughs at, which is Lottie's character, Gemma, you know, like Anglo-Saxon, white, mm. heterosexual, mm. you know, the kind of the the being that needs to be the most self-aware. Um, or that the, you know, the being that the kind of seen expects or requires to be most self-aware who often may not be yeah and then you have the kind of like you know i guess like the third character who who kind of hovers in between yeah who's like able to you know profit from from like you know from being unique, from, you know, having a certain presence online, but also by appealing to, you know, people who are both in the scene and outside of the scene. So, yeah, it's like there's so there's a really interesting kind of trio that you've got going on here. Mm, I um, should
1: add that the Serene character is also quite spiritual, um, which is where the affirmation aspect of the main page came from.
2: Mm. Um,
1: she kind of talks in these riddles of, like, Um, I am an open book. I am truthful and authentic, you know, like she says she kind of integrates this, um, pseudo mindfulness into her everyday life, but it doesn't quite seem to land in her body or in her heart.
0: Mm. And yeah, tell me about the, tell me about the, the Instagram page because that's like a staple, a staple in Melbourne, um, (laughs) And yeah, so like that was, you know, that was anonymous for a long time. Yeah. And now, now it's not. It's still, you know, still, still kind of is. But Sorry. tell me about it. Tell me about it. What, like, I guess, first of all, uh, I'd really like to hear your thoughts about what the role of the meme is. Because it seems like the play, the play, it's a you know, Gel. You have done like the most kind of, like the most intelligent, like bootleg like, guerrilla marketing <laughs> like I've ever seen. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you know, it's it's genius what you've done, and like the the most genius part, in my opinion, is like the fact that the memes are the play, like the you know the play really has been going on since you started the meme page. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah tell me tell me about the meme tell me about the meme what
1: is the Uh, so for me the meme is a marketing tool um the the meme was um it was in the month at lockdowns i was walking on sydney road and i was racking my brain of like how to get bums on seats for club night the theater show and i'd had so many conversations particularly with Lottie, about um, and Matisse when she came on about how to integrate young people into the theatre, because for the most part, it's expensive, it's white, it's boring, it's stuffy, it's old. Um, and so we wanted to kind of rebrand theatre and encourage young people to access it, because we'd found it to be so, when it's good, it can be really life-changing. Um, and so I was walking down Sydney road and I was like, how can I market theater to young people? And during the pandemic, um, the affirmation meme was really popularized. And I thought, okay, well, I can affirm lines from the script or, you know, observations from the scene and um, yeah, m- meme them and, and distribute them and hopefully gain a following. So. You know, I think now we've got around five and a half thousand followers and I essentially wanted to trick these people into enjoying theatre and into buying a ticket to a show that maybe they didn't really understand what it was, but they had appreciated the content from the meme page and, you know, hopefully get them through the door.
0: Mm, well, well, yeah, it is, you know, it's, it's genius what you've done, um, And it's also like, you know, such an, so like you said that for you, the meme is purely a marketing tool, but I don't believe you. I don't believe you because while it is at the same time, like, you know, I see a lot of myself in those memes and and I'm sure the reason why they hit so hard and why the account has become, has, you know, got such a large following is because it pinpoints like you know ridiculous and like comical and like kind of anxious parts of like living in in Melbourne yeah um like you know the bleach cap trend like yeah. having going to a doof at Yarra Bend or whatever like these are you know like like you know, who are you if you if yeah. you don't if you don't understand what these things mean almost? so yeah, like, you know, part of me part of me doesn't believe that the meme yeah. is just marketing for you because I feel mm-hmm. like, yeah, sorry, sorry,
1: yeah, no. no I can I can go further. I think for me, the meme, or at least the club, my memes were about me making fun of myself. Mm. And then when I did that, I noticed a huge response. Um, and then. After, like, you know, making fun of how bespoke Solomons are, or how, you know, unique bleach caps are, or distressed hoodies, or whatever it is, I think that also ties into working in fashion and seeing what is popular or trending. Um, after I started making fun of myself, I then would kind of zoom in on other aspects of the scene um, and, like, playfully with love, make fun of them. Um and for the most part, people are really into it. Like people love it when they get memed. Um, sometimes they don't, but <laughs> they're a good sport, they usually do.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, and like have you how are you going to? I don't know whether you want to answer this question whether it will be giving too much away, but How are you going to integrate the memes? Like, should people expect to see the memes kind of come to life in the play?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. In terms of, like, coming to life physically, absolutely. (laughs) Um, In terms of, like, them being integrated literally, we've toyed with that idea, but it might hit the cutting room floor. We have, yeah, we'll we'll know very soon. But I I think you'll recognize the memes in the performance um, between the the three characters. You'll absolutely and the script, like it's all it's all in there.
0: Mm. And what's the experience of like putting the player together been like? Because I know you've done a lot of writing before for like ID and this kind of thing. Um, and you studied creative writing as well. So this is obviously, you know, something you're very familiar with. But what's it been like working with two others? Like, has it has it made you uh, think about wanting to get into, you know, playwriting as a career? Or, like, are you wanting to pivot into acting more, like, exclusively? Mm. Um, what kind of what has, like, yeah, what has experience of putting club night together taught you about yourself
1: it's been really empowering um i often talk about being an actor as kind of like you know being a pick me girl like you constantly audition you constantly have your hand up in the air like asking to be picked and more often than not you you don't Um, and so in writing our own material, in casting ourselves, in being part of the creative vision, um, it's really helped me realise that
0: as hard as it is,
1: it's the most rewarding work you can do um, because you get to decide your character arc, you get to decide what conversations are had or what themes you touch on. So I think after club night, yeah, I'm definitely excited to continue collaborating with others on new work um, because it's the most fun,
2: the most difficult, but the most fun.
1: Hi, oh, I'm on mute.
0: Shit, <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm a bit sniffly, so every time I sniffle, I put myself on mute. Oopsie. <laughs> sniffle, sniffle. Um, so... With the, like, okay, so you've, like, you've lived in Berlin and you've lived in Melbourne um, and this play, you know, kind of seems to investigate the scene. Um, What exactly is the scene? Like, Mm -hmm. what is this thing that the play is trying to interrogate? Because you know, what word on the street is that? You know, there is no scene, (laughs) and that's the scene, (laughs) or that the scene. You know, you don't see the scene; like it goes unseen. Mm -hmm. So, like you know, there's all of this real mind-bending stuff. Um, But you know, you know, you know. At least you think you know when you're in the scene, but you're probably you know, who's the who's the guardian? There is no guardian. So, yeah. yeah, oh, the gatekeepers, the girl bosses, the gaslighters, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're very right. It's very funny. I think the scene in the context of Club Night is something that Matisse, Lottie, and I were exploring. Um, I think it's been really interesting because I have a few years on Lottie and Matisse. They're 22, 23 and I'm 26 um, and it shows up a lot for us personally. Um, you know, we have a we have a creative team as well. We have two directors, Margot and Ari. Um, Margot's the same age as me. Ari's maybe the same or in between. And then we have Katie, our producer, who's younger than Lottie and Matisse who's like maybe 21 and it shows up in our personal dynamics
2: mm. um,
1: there's a whole uh, like language and vernacular and references and this is what has been put into club night as well in one of the major conflict scenes between Gemma and Arna um, but for example um, one of the lines from club night is like I have no idea what you just said And that's because in real life, often Matisse will turn to me and say, you know, um, are you seeing Brown Sugar Princess at MISC on Friday night? And then um, Lottie will be like, I have no idea what you just said. (laughs) You know, it's these particular references or like language that excludes or intentionally or unintentionally excludes others from participating in the convo because they don't have an awareness of, what the reference is
0: Mm. yeah so it's like is an objective of the play to i guess like to make these things that don't make sense or that only makes sense to a select group of people to allow them to make sense to the wider public is that like a hope to kind of like i don't know like open the scene up or like pull the scene down or something?
1: I think it's a level above that. It's like, it's kind of to crack it open and be like, I don't know what it is. And it also doesn't matter. Mm. Um, Because at the end of the day, you're just saying words and they, they might be meaningful to you, but they're not meaningful to me and that's okay. Um, and just because I don't know what it is doesn't mean I'm not worth hanging out with or spending time with or mm. you know, sharing to your Instagram story. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, this this I think being on an island like Australia feels really um, feels really can feel really isolated and Melbourne being like the main creative city in this country, um, or at least like the edgy one, or wh- whatever you want to call it, it can feel like people are c- trying to climb over each other, or trying to chase clout, or you know, working really hard to get themselves up, but maybe they're not as interested in sharing with others maybe that sounds really lame but i think that's been my interpretation of the scene in contrast to being in in europe um but yeah i think that's something that we want to show to those who maybe do feel on the outer that it's actually not that cool on the inner
0: Mm. yeah and that like you know like i think what you said about like this culture of like trying to penetrate into the scene and become like an institution
2: Mm.
0: like a a person who becomes an institution um and how like ultimately you know this doesn't mean anything like maybe it means that you get to dj like at you know a club at a particular night or like you know, this kind of thing. We and have so, a, few,
1: a certain amount of Instagram followers or
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so like one one really one thing that I'm really excited to see in the play is like um the way that it criticizes like you know what it means to like be part of a community. Mm. Because I think like um in Melbourne in the in the scene you know like part of as far you know my experience has been that part of what it means to be to be in the scene is that you have a following and that you're known for something but that's bullshit yeah like you know that's like who who made that rule like where's that rule written it's just this you know, force and so, yeah. I suppose, like, how, how are some of the ways that you feel the play, like, I guess, challenges, um, yeah, challenges like the or you know tries to kind of shine a new light on on community and like being together because it seems like the three characters are intentionally constructed to be, like, you know, in three separate communities or something, but ultimately together in some way. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's definitely, well, I mean, the narrative that it follows is completely what you're saying. So they start at pre-drinks at Anna's house and they are old friends. They used to do theatre together and they meet up annually and somewhat begrudgingly and catch up and, you know, there's this energy without being said that, you know, the subtext is kind of like, oh, there's, we're coming out of a lockdown or there's a real need to to blow off steam and party. So they make this agreement to go to each of their desired venues. So they go to Yaya's um, and do a lip sync battle for Gemma. They go to a house party in Carlton to do a Nang and uh, smoke a spliff uh, for Serene and then they end up at Yarra Bend Park Party for Anna. Um, so she can attempt to, to play back to back with her um, crush who's a DJ. So it's very much what we wanted to create was um, kind of what you counter into it, which is that they each actually feel really out of place in their uh, clique. And that's kind of what we wanted to spark in the audience is that although these three characters look and sound and express that they belong to a certain community, as soon as they're in it, it's actually where they have their downfall or their realization or their, um, you know, where their, their tragic flaw kind of inhibits them from getting what they want. And I think that's really interesting
0: Mm. Yeah, wow. That's like that's an amazing like question to get people to ask. Um and I feel like there's so much there's so much philosophy and so much psychology and psychoanalysis that is based around like desire and like mm-hmm. you know being like I want to get here, and then you get there, and then you're like well, what just happened? Like, you know, this isn't this, like, divine paradise. Like, my problems are still my problems. Like, I'm still confronted with the same challenges I had yesterday. Um, And, yeah, like, I guess how do you, like, as a, as, you know, someone who has who has like an intimate knowledge of the play and who wrote it and who is going to be acting in it. Is there like a particular kind of like, I don't know, moral lesson that you're hoping people take away from like, from this in particular? Like, do you, do you kind of, are you trying to like reassure people that it's going to be okay? (laughs) Like, you know, regardless of like what your ambition is, like, even if you do achieve it, even if it does come true and it doesn't feel fantastic, ultimately, everything will be okay. Like, what's, yeah, I guess.
1: No, I mean, I've tried, or we've tried really hard not to moralise it. Um, you know, there's been moments or previous drafts where it has felt very didactic and they come across, I think, um, quite, quite trite and I think good art confuses you and kind of sits with you and there's maybe a feeling that you can't quite put your finger on, but you walk away thinking about it. Um, and I, I don't think there's a moral lesson to be learnt from Club Night. I think there's probably several, um, but I, yeah, I hope audiences walk away, mostly just having laughed that was kind of the, uh, my original intention in creating this work out of COVID was to allow long, young people to see themselves and to take the piss and mm. have a good laugh. So that's, for me, primary. But secondary, I think, yeah, I want people to see themselves on stage. I want them to see their friends on stage and maybe walk away questioning how how important is... Um you know, wearing the right clothes and saying the right thing and um, being at the right places at the right time. Mm. yeah, they're they're more the the ideas that I want people to to toy with. Mm. the show
0: Yeah, and I, i'm I'm certain they will. Um, yeah, and it sounds like I know that the audience is in like very gifted and capable hands in you, Lottie, and Matisse. Thank you.
2: Um,
0: um, Yeah, and, like, you know, one thing you said earlier when you were talking about, um, you know, you and Lottie kind of and the way your friendship formed was by Mm -hmm. going to see theatre, performance stuff, and then getting a drink. Um, That one kind of hope of yours is that you want to make theater more accessible to young people Mm. because you know you don't need to kind of think very you don't need to know much in order to know that like theater theaters like are populated by a very very specific demographic um yeah so tell me about this ambition of yours to kind of to change the uh I guess change access and to kind of to to show to people the importance of theatre. Where I guess, like for you, why is it? Why is this medium in particular something that um, that you value so highly and that you're like dedicating your life to?
1: Theater is so visceral. It's um, they're living and breathing and spitting on you and you know crying or laughing. A few, if you've got good seats, like a few meters away from you. And although I really love film and TV and think that it's incredible as well, there's something really um, human about going to the theatre and sitting next to other people. And, you know, if the theatre space is in the round or whatever, you can see other people on the other side of the theatre and watch their reactions. Um, and hear their reactions Um, I guess yeah it's not it it is different but it's kind of like going to the cinema and laughing along with others or crying along with others there's a a group kind of for lack of a better word catharsis or um, kind of yeah there's a there's an emotion that's being passed around human bodies and it starts with the, the actors that are on stage and what is really amazing as an actor is to perform something from the beginning to the end each time and get to experience the whole roller coaster of the play from start to end. Mm. Whereas in in film, it's cut up, it's you know start stop, start, out of order, and the same if you're viewing it at home. you know you can pause it and go to the toilet, you can scroll on your phone at the same time. Um, you can talk to someone, About a completely other conversation, but in the theatre, you're not allowed to do those things. Um, You're supposed to be, you're supposed to have your phone, you know, on silent and be completely consumed in storytelling. And I think that that is really special. And if young people can see themselves on stage and then walk away and have a convo with their friend about themselves, then that's a a really rich combo that we could have.
0: Mm. I think you're absolutely right about, like, the uniqueness of... And this is coming from a position of, like, you know, total theatre, thespian naivety. Like, you know, I really, like, I don't know, I read... Like, I had to read Ibsen and, like, that's it. Um, So, you know... (laughs) Ha, <laughs> yeah um uh but on the weekend i was in sydney mm. um and i had two big realizations the first realized this is a meme in itself i went and saw all <laughs> right yeah write it down write it down write it down curly head curly head man goes curly head man sees nils from uh, yeah. At the at the opera house, yeah, and discovers the importance of community. <laughs> I was crying. Yeah, I was crying, and like, so you know, I was in there. This like this little German guy is like playing like fifteen pianos at the same time, and everyone, no one was on their phone. Full Sydney Opera House, and I was like, I was like, this is it. Live performance, this is it. Like, fuck all this shit about our generation not having good attention spans. Everyone in here is so, like, you know, they might not be listening to the music, like, directly, but they are so present. Like, they're not on their phone. They're not, like, talking to anyone. Like, they're here. So that was the first realization I had. And then the second realization I had was a play, at a play I saw on Saturday the following night. Um, and I have never been, I'm like pretty dramatic, but this is me telling the truth. I've never been so affected by something in my life. And I think, you know, as you were saying, like, you know, in theater, you can feel like you can feel the breath of the actor. You're like, when they move past on the stage, if you're up close, like you get a gust of wind and like. Mm It was like a really devastating play and like a really beautiful play. But like, you know, I have never, like I literally left and had no words. I'm like, you know, it's only kind of today where I'm like beginning to kind of like process it. So yeah, I think like, I agree. In short, I agree with with you about the importance of live performance. It doesn't seem like, as you said, like, you know, kind of, Popular media, social media video uh, TV movies, like the kind of portability mm-hmm. and pause play pause nature of these things it takes away something takes away it takes away the kind of the ne- the necessity of being present
1: mm-hmm. yeah what was the play
0: um uh, I don't remember, but it was at the old. Fitzroy Hotel in Sydney um Sydney
1: has a really good theater
0: yeah if if you have time or if anyone's listening in Sydney um actually I'll find the name of the play and put it in the I'll add a little voice thing at the end of the episode and I'll let you know Jill if you got if you're going to Sydney at any point
1: yeah I yeah they've got some really good stuff
0: um okay so we're nearly out of time. In the last couple of minutes, how can where is the play happening? How can people book tickets? It's already sold out on Friday night, and I imagine the other nights are going pretty fast.
1: Tuesday sold out now as well.
0: Tuesday's sold out. Friday night sold out. So there are two nights left. So re- I don't need to do any spruiking. It's yeah, gone.
1: Exactly. So um, Miscellaneous is where we're performing. In where's city, that Swanson Street? right near RMIT. Um, Yeah, we have five shows. Two of them are sold out, the opening Friday and the close, sorry, the opening Tuesday, June 21st and the closing Friday, June 24th. But there are some tickets still available for Wednesday, the 22nd and Thursday. Oh yeah, Wednesday, the 22nd and Thursday, the 23rd. Um, You can get them from Club Night Guest List, um, the link, in the Instagram, which is club night, C-L-U-B. The night is N-I-T-E and then guest list. Um, Or you can find the link in my bio, Angelica with a J. Yeah.
0: Cool. And I'll put links to all of these in the bio.
1: And, yeah, there's a tiered ticket system. So concession or low-income earners, there's full um, worker prices and then it's free for, First Nations people or trans women of color. So please email club night guest list. Oh, sorry, club night company at gmail.com if you uh, fall into either of those groups and would like a free ticket to the show.
0: Cool. Thanks for letting us all know, Joe. And thank you and thank, thank you to the Club Night trio mm. um, for bringing all this together. I'm super excited to see it. Um, thanks for chatting with me. This has been so lovely. Um, I'm really glad we got to chat.
1: Always a pleasure.
0: Oh, well, I'll see you. I'll see you one evening this week.
1: Yes, I will see you then and at the after party.
0: And at the after party once and once. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Joe.
1: Ciao, ciao.